I'm Lacey. And I'm Kippen. We're two friends who love to get lost inside a great story. And we're welcoming you to our own little book club. This is One Page More, a podcast. So here we are again with Lore. And I didn't, uh, what's her name? Alexandra Bracken? Yes. Okay. It's written by Alexandra Bracken. It is a YA fantasy fiction novel. Um, I, I have seen it over and over again. It is Greek mythology mixed with the Hunger Games. And it's just spot on for how it read to me. The the cover itself is like so struck and it's like this like maybe like a light gray with like a huge like Medusa statue and like maybe is there something on the eyes like it's very like Pearson so yeah like I felt like I saw this cover and I was thinking about like I love Greek mythology and so we've read several books with Greek mythology we read the Song of Achilles we've read um Circe and I just was like I can't wait to read this. This book is actually for a why I, I can be very highly critical of YA. I felt like for a YA book, this book was really well written. Like, um, I felt like she really did a good job and that there will be people, especially people that are younger than me and maybe not my demographic, that would be obsessed with this book. This book it, to me is like, it's like if you... It's really like a Percy Jackson kind of um, book, like in the sense that it was, there were tons of um, challenges to overcome. Like the quests were there. It mm-hmm. was very fast paced. There were a lot of um, surprises throughout that like I didn't see coming. There is like, there's a touch of a romance, but it's not heavy handed at all. Mm-hmm. So yeah, there's definitely like a lot of fun and good elements I think, like I said, I just have my expectations too high. I just was thinking of these like five star reads for me. And then yeah. I got into this one. So I wish I would have been a little less excited about it. And then I probably would have appreciated the book so much more. Because there's definitely I awesome know. elements. I, I'm going to give it a three and a half stars. But that's, I think that I'm not the right reader for this book. Because I do think it's well done. You're saying it's fast paced. This book is like high octane on speed. There are so many things that happen in this book. I, my head was whirling. I mean, it is so full of action. It's, in, it's insane. The, um, there, there's a million and a half characters. Every, oh every other chapter, you're in, getting introduced to a new, um, and not like a minor character either. I just kept being like, who, what? Okay, so right. I'm, I'm 100% going to agree with you. Three and a half stars. However, part of mine may be negative, or part of my like qualms with this book is my own fault. But when I think about should you read it or should you listen to it, I listened to it, and I I can't tell you how badly I wish I would have had this book in my dang hands, because listen to this, we talked about there was a lot of characters. Listen here, I was, I was driving in my car thinking about, like, what I was going to say on this podcast, and one of the main things that drove me bananas was that there, every person has one to two names. Mm-hmm. They often have a freaking nickname. They're also from a certain house, um, like from a Greek hero. They just had like so many different things and they just kept being like the reveler. And then I had to be like, okay, that's the old Dionysius who is um, part of this house. You know, and literally every five seconds, I'm like trying to link it together. I wish this woman, my if I could give her any feedback before she wrote this book, like I wish I would have been an editor because I could have, I would have just happily been like, honey, listen here. Pair you're going to give sister. You're going to give each character one name and <laughs> one house and that's it. And and matter of fact, maybe the house name needs to be their last name so we can keep it simple. Yeah. The overwhelming because you know the the plot line was that each um you know that the, the gods can get killed during the Agon this like you know, one week long event, the fact that they kept calling them old and new gods on top of everything else. I was just like, I, I can't do this. I can't keep track of who's who. 
Yeah, to dive in just a little more to plot if you haven't read it yet, if you're thinking about it, because it was well done, it was well written. This book is brutal. It has a lot of violence in it, and she does not back down from doing some really twisted stuff to some of the characters. That, to me, was a little bit of a ding. I don't love that, so I wouldn't even give it a full five stars, maybe like a four and a half, because I didn't like the intense brutality about the book but I totally agree with you about reading and listening I felt like the biggest uh problem for me was that oh wait I was gonna give hold on I'm all over the place but it's gonna give some plot we have honestly we've skipped around so much I know okay basic Uh, plot let's let's go okay basic plot you have lore she's the main character She is an orphan, has no living siblings, nothing. She's living in New York City. And you find out that she used to be part of kind of this um, ancient sect of people who are linked to the Greek gods, where every seven years, the gods are stripped of most of their powers and their immortality. And it's like a manhunt. And all of these different houses that are named after um, not gods, but ancient heroes. Like she's from the uh, Perseus's house, for example, are tasked with hunting them down. If you kill a god, you absorb their powers and you basically become them. And then the cycle continues on and on and on and has for hundreds and thousands of years or whatever. And she's left the game, doesn't want anything to do with it. And then she's sucked back in. And there's a lot of uh, the thing that I struggled with, like you're saying with the characters, is that you do have you have nine gods that they're talking about through this thing, plus all of the houses and the houses, the names didn't always strike me as somebody that I immediately recognized. So that was hard. And then you have this whole cast of characters. I mean, you don't you don't really spend a whole lot of time with all nine gods you don't spend a whole lot of time with all the houses but there's enough there that it is confusing basically she's she deals with so much she's got tons of ptsd from previous experiences and she's just totally sealed with it and then she gets wrapped in whenever a um god basically comes to her doorstep and it's like bind your will to mine and become my um what do you, i guess is she the hunter I mean, she is a hunter, but is that what they call it for the week? Yeah, uh, I think we should go into spoilers before we get there. Okay. Okay. So, yeah, we both agree um, around a three and a half, but could be more if this sounds like your kind of book. My first thought, just to go back on the narration, is if that's the only way you can say it or if that's what's going to work for you, I thought the narration was pretty well done, but... My first thought when she came on is like, okay, this is a serious book. Like, we're very serious here. Um, because she had this gritty voice where she was talking and da 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 And honestly, it fits the tone of the story. Like, it is a serious book. There are, there's, there's a few attempts at levity in this book, and they fall flat for me. I agree. There's like one character miles who is (laughs) like i I felt like they tried to use him as like some light comedic relief but heavy (laughs) emphasis on the light there's just not a lot there (laughs) um Mm -hmm. but yeah i mean the book is still enjoyable but i really if i feel like if you have the actual book it would just be so much easier even they would say things like um some of the house names and the the way that she would say them like it was later that I'm like, oh, um, that's Achilles. Like, it, I just, mm-hmm. I didn't make the exact correlation. And they also would mention um, a lot of um, ancient Greek weaponry that I just kept, like, and she would kind of just casually toss the word out. And I would be like, oh, my gosh, what is that? And have to, like, use some context clues. But like, okay, that must be this or whatever. So, I mean, if you're very familiar with that. Or at least yeah. if you don't have problems kind of floundering for a minute. <laughs> the well, audio's especially okay. Because, I mean, they're seriously like 
you know, usually in a book, you might have three to four key scenes. Uh, you know what I mean? Like a book like this. In this book, there's like 12. I mean, there's there, so. Yes. There are so many, like, very, again, high octane, uh, balls to the wall, action packed sequences where I'm just like, what? Again? You're what not really, dead yet? <laughs> what really got me was I, whenever I was listening to the book, I was, so it lists the, you know, it's like the narration chapters. And they're pretty much like an hour per chapter. And then it lists the book chapters. There was one point where there were 20 chapters left and there was only two hours of the book left because <laughs> there was so much going on that last little bit where it was like they yeah. were dodging literal or figurative, whatever, bullets mm-hmm. left and right. And I just kept being like, oh my gosh. Like, it, it was um, it was hard to follow. Not, yeah. Well, it was hard to follow as someone that's going to discuss it later. <laughs> right. Okay. So then now we're going to go into full spoilers. Um, one thing that wasn't clear to me right off, and this is like the problem with her packing so much into this, and it should have been very clear it almost it seemed like this agon was taking place like every year to me but then you realize it's only taking place every like 7 years and maybe that's just me being dumb but that's just like little missteps that i was having in my brain as i was reading it does that make sense that kind of like confused me yeah because I, it was so, just like very lightly touched on the the passing the intro of the book and like the first couple of chapters, there's a lot you're trying to figure out. So like, yeah, it, it like takes place and it's lore and she's in like a fighting ring un- in like a restaurant, like the back of a restaurant. And you're just kind of like, what the heck's going on here? And then like, she sees someone from her past and then like, it kind of, it, what killed me so much about this book is it took forever to unravel everything. Yeah. And I know, I know, I get it. It's a literary device. I get it. You just don't want to, you know, spill everything right away. But holy cow, this book just took forever to kind of be like, who are all these people? What happened to all these people? Mm-hmm. So, especially yeah. because for me, even though the twists were pretty, like, good, I pretty much saw them coming. Like, they weren't, you know, cloaked and yeah they weren't like that cloaked like you kind of figured it out but then it just took forever for you to get like all the details for example when she is in this fighting ring and I'm like okay so like her only income is being a fighter also how old is this girl like a lot of context clues that were missing and I'm I realized later maybe she might only be 18 or 19 like she's really 17 or 18 yeah um, but she had been like working as a caretaker for this man named Gil and which is funny because my dog's name is Gilligan and so I literally was thinking of like an old crotchety Gilligan the whole time Labradoodle <laughs> which actually describes his like current state of life right now so very apologies accurate. for my uh, my cough by the way I'm getting over a cold um anyway so she's been living with him for like the past two ish years and taking care of him and he passes away and he ends up leaving her everything like a brownstone and like his fortune and I'm just like this like for real like do you know what a brownstone like that's millions of dollars I don't know if we even touched on that that we that the the set of New York was such a (laughs) It was a weird choice one to, me. to me. Yeah, I agree. It, because I, 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 I thought the what same would have thing. Been better? What would have been better? Well, here's the main thing. I don't know if I have an answer. I see. I don't want to rant on this book, and yeah. I did like the book, but there just there was just things to me where it's like kind of. So she's not originally from New York, but she also throughout the whole book, it's like I refuse to be a tourist, <laughs> yeah. and I just was kind of like, huh? <laughs> well, and she's very much like my city. I'm a New Yorker. But she's from right. But she's not. Right. She's lived there what like seven years. But I'm like, sis, that doesn't yeah. mean all that much. Uh, yeah. But anyways, but yeah. So she ends up running into Castor. What 
a thing that is so unrelatable to me is whenever, so Castor, she, for seven years, has assumed that he was dead. That mm-hmm. I believe she thought he died in the Agon. She sees him, and she just, like, immediately, like, walks away and is, like, in, <laughs> in a fury. And my natural, like, curiosity, there is just absolutely no way. Like, maybe afterwards I would, but I can't really imagine myself, someone that I loved and cared for, coming back from the dead and just being, like, yeah here here is my I actually so out of everything in this book the thing that shines for me is Castor and Lore's relationship and it does it gets romantic but um you know in Sorrow and Bliss when we talked about it it was like oh this person's always been there and like they're just so comfortable and blah 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 and we talked about how we needed like one or two more proof points around that. I actually thought she did a really good job with building their relationship and kind of dripping out like when they met, how they bonded, what their relationship was as children, like how it all built up. Um, I liked that. I thought it was like a sweet little romance in the middle of this extremely brutal book. And I, I liked Castor as a character. That said... She thought he died of, like, leukemia. He had cancer when they were little. So he, she assumed because his cancer got so bad um, that he was basically, like, in hospice that he had passed away from cancer. So I guess I can understand a little bit more maybe why she was so spooked because that's just, like, one not something you come back from and two later you know you learn like just how brutally her family was disposed of by people in the agon and so i mean like her trauma is really really intense like really intense like her little sisters were like chopped up into bits kind of thing so I can see her being extremely skeptical and just like, get the heck away from me. Like, are you a ghost? What the heck are you? I don't trust you at all. You know what I mean? Like, you were supposed to be my best friend. I've been completely alone for seven years. Like, what the heck is going on? So I, I, I got that. I, I just would. How, how could you truly not want answers, though? That is what yeah. gets me where I'm like, if you want to leave at some point, but just to literally walk away i it is honestly unfathomable it truly well, is to me what's even weirder to me is that later you find out castor has somehow as a child so at the time he was maybe uh 12 years old or so he defeated and killed oh who was it apollo apollo he defeated and killed apollo during the agon and took upon Listen. his mantle. He took Listen. his powers. And so you're going to have me believe that just because they're in a dimly knit lit nightclub that she does not notice that he is now a Greek god? What? And the emphasis should also be because the story definitely talks about like how their their countenance changes. Their, like He's like this almost has like a golden aura around him how he's yeah. um he's all like he looks the same and he's always been attractive but like he's even more and mm-hmm. like the strength that emanates from so yes absolutely the what so it's funny you even say that because what got to me is i was like oh i'm supposed to believe as a reader a 12 year old <laughs> leukemia ridden literally on the cusp of dying mm-hmm. he and I can't remember hardly how it played out. Like it, it did, it did kind of answer it a little bit, but I was like, hold on here. The suspension of belief. Uh, yeah. That was one of those twists that she held on to for almost the entire length of the book of like, how did Castor pull it off? Nobody knows. He doesn't even know. He has like amnesia around the event, et cetera, et cetera. And it's like, you know, you know how it must have happened because there's only one possible way that it could have happened. And so it's not a big shock. It's just like kind of like a little bit of a yawn of like, give me a break whenever it does come around. Like, I mean, the whole thing is Apollo was injured, fed up with the Agon for whatever reason. He stumbles across this 
you know, kind-hearted little caster with cancer. And he basically uh, aids caster in killing him. It's like an assisted suicide type thing. So he Apollo dies and caster does absorb all his powers but it's different than kind of killing one of the gods in cold blood and it's just like I don't know it was just very obvious to me what must have happened and he also couldn't like tap into the power at least not like to the extent that you're supposed to okay so after she kind of leaves Caster high and dry in the club or like I don't know he kind of she does follow him out and he's disappeared or whatever with his henchmen um she goes to walk home and she realizes that the Agon is now like in New York City kind of underneath her nose and she's worried that she's going to get sucked back in somehow right and then she winds up at her door and she finds uh Athena the her house very injured basically begging her for help Athena was an interesting character to me I mean I get like the aloofness of the goddess um I get the suspicion I get all this stuff but in a roundabout way Athena basically is like hey I know how your family died I know who killed them I want to help you avenge them but I need you to like make this bond with me so that we can work together as a team. And the stakes of this bond was not something that I totally understood because it basically completely linked their fates together. If one of them died, both of them died. And I mean, maybe there's some other aspects there, but I understood why it was beneficial for Athena. I did not understand why it was actually beneficial to Lore herself. What really happened is this. Athena utilized that wit, right? Right. Lore was, like one of my top notes, was that Lore tried so hard to be hard. She just was like Mm -hmm. a, like she just was like really quick to get angry and like stay mad. And so she just whipped her up into a frenzy. Athena really was like, you know what? You're right. That new um, Aries killed your family, your entire family. I am going to avenge them with you. I will kill them. You be on my team. And like, she just like whipped her up. And like, that was like a huge theme of the book was just how Lore had this like trigger um, response to things of like getting angry so quickly and then just like not thinking and jumping and doing something like several times the book did it. And so I think that's really what happened is she just like lost the impulse control and like got so upset that she was like, you know what? You're right. I'll do it. Yeah. Even though she had like sworn it off for years, but yeah, she totally didn't even like hesitate (laughs) once she got mad. So there really, there really wasn't a huge benefit for her. I mean, I guess like, she might have been thinking like, oh, this is the only way that she'll do it. So I have to do it. Uh, but I, yeah. think, I think the, so at, at this point, Athena and um, her sister, uh, what's Artemis. her sister's name? Artemis. Artemis. They're, they're the only two like original gods, like out of the nine. Well, I, yes. At I the very I... beginning, Hermes was alive, but he was killed. So right. yeah, there's, there were three out of nine. So I'm sure that, like, also, you know what I mean? Like, she's survived at this point, supposedly, like, you know, hundreds of agons. And so it was like, okay, if I'm going to have anybody on my team to help me, like, kill the people that destroyed my family. And it wasn't just her family. It was her entire house. It was, like, everyone that was, like, a descendant mm-hmm. of Perseus. Like, they were all killed um, by what Laura thought were these, like, lesser um, lesser houses. You know, yeah. so yeah, she and let here, that pride get in the way. Here's another thing is I didn't fully understand why like why and how the Agon started in the first place. Like somebody pisses off Daddy Zeus and this is his punishment for the gods, but it's like it's a big punishment. It's well, forever. He's he's taking away their immortality, which is like yeah. supposed to be this like, you know super coveted thing i actually was wondering why was it just like his kids i just kept thinking about what about like hades and poseidon and like you know it was literally just there poseidon was one of the gods what 
Yes. I'm pretty sure. Well, our, that... no, I do remember there was a Tidebringer, but I didn't realize because so I. Tidebringer. Tidebringer is someone that killed either Poseidon or someone else that had already killed Poseidon. Okay, now how, so that's a good, then how did Zeus get a dadgum free pass? I, I mean, he's the one that did it he all. He threw his lightning bolt down and said, not me, but you. Yeah, he's the king of the gods, so. I guess. Yeah, it's not just like his, because like, I mean, isn't Athena his wife? Or is that his I, daughter? I think that's the daughter, his wife. I Who's can't remember. Wife? It's not. It's not Athena. Hera. Athena. Uh, yes. Hera. Yeah. Athena's the thought that pops out of his head. Remember? Yes. Okay. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Anyways, but I. But see, this is just a good example of there's so much going. On. There really is. There's so much going on. We could have taken extensive notes, and maybe we should have, but we'd mm-hmm. be here for a very long time discussing this because Athena. Yeah. Athena as a character is your. It is literally like. It's it's the waves, the ups and the downs where you're you kind of see like she becomes friends with Miles and she kind of becomes okay, but she's also steadily ruthless and like uh Lore and Castor are kind of sparing people and then she goes and like flits their throat and then she turns <laughs> on them and then she kind of becomes nice again and then she does another wicked thing and you find out terrible things that she's done, you know, and you're just like, Oh my gosh, like it's literally you're snapping your head to the left, to the right, back to the left, just to try to like you know, follow along with her insane yeah. story arc. I guess the author to me, by the end of this book, she did not want one ounce of you rooting for these gods and goddesses. She wanted you rooting for the Agon to be over. Like she wasn't actually on the side of the the houses or the Agons either. But I mean, traditionally the gods and they are not kind to humanity and she definitely took that and ran with it because you're right like the brutality is real the sneakiness is real and I don't know they're just not human (laughs) one of the (laughs) big there's no humanity there we're not I don't feel like we're following any timeline so I don't it's not too big of a out of reach but Mm -hmm. one of like the big like twist of the book I mean, at this, like you're like halfway through. You, they're talking to uh, Dionysius, who is the lover of Hermes, who we, you know, we find out has like recently died, Ugh. and he like suddenly like spills the beans. It's like you knew Hermes, and you know, Laura's like, "What are you talking about?" And then you find out that um, Gil, who was supposed to be this 87 year old, well traveled man that you know gave uh-huh. everything to Lore was actually Hermes in disguise and it was like well he was always a prankster and that was one of those like like talk about like the cruelty of the gods like it it, there were times where I guess you could see it as well he he gave her things to sustain her and he did give her Mm -hmm. some good advice but a lot of the advice was basically like um, that she took it as oh I should get the Agon out of my life and I should close that chapter meanwhile she's in the midst of a God that is taking advantage of her and um, kind of like laughing at her expense, even though at times it was like, it was good. There was also just a lot of naughtiness. I didn't get the idea that Gil was uh, malevolent. I felt like he really was rooting for lore for whatever reason. And this is why it is kind of weird that Athena is like, uh, maybe so um, like uh, unrepentant and unempathetic because Hermes to me it really did like he was protecting Laura this whole time like she thought that she was hiding from everybody and that's why she was able to escape the Agon and all this stuff and then she realized really it's because Hermes had like used his powers to protect her and so nobody like literally no one knew she was there or around anymore and it's Lore herself that feels betrayal because she feels taken advantage of because she doesn't want anything to do with this and everything like that but I felt like Hermes was coming from a good place it just doesn't do a good job of of you understanding why he did it like why did he pity this human 
Yeah, but it was because he wanted the shield that he thought that she uh, had. Yeah. So, I mean, at like there were, that's mm-hmm. what I mean, where it was not very black and white, or it wasn't always very black and white. Because, yeah, yeah he did, there were some good things, but it also was like for the personal gain, um, too. Right. But he just, you know, ended up kicking the bucket beforehand. <laughs> but he, you are right. He did do good things, like protect her. Like, he, she specifically had a little necklace. And that was actually how we find out later how Castor couldn't find her. Because he talked mm-hmm. about how he searched high and low. But because he had, um, or she was wearing, you know, like, Hermes protection. Yeah. Know, so, totally he kept those so, good influences out, too. <laughs> so, when... Um, when she meets Athena, you also get introduced to Miles, who, who is outside of the Agon and her best friend and happens to be. This is the other thing where I'm like, what? I don't understand. Because now that you know that Gil is Hermes, I thought for sure Miles was going to be like something nefarious at some point, only because I. I figured out pretty early that Gil probably wasn't who he said he was. I didn't know he was Hermes. Um, but there was something, you know, suspicious about that. But he, like, basically offered Miles a room in his house to, like, rent or whatever. And so the three of them kind of lived together and bonded and they became BFF. And Miles, to me, was, like you saying... That was supposed to be the comedic relief. It was kind of not as funny as you want it to be. But Miles was kind of an annoying character to me because he kept putting himself in very grave danger. Listen. In a way that was so unbelievable. And I'm just like, who is this guy? What? Tell, tell me in what real world. Like, he's known this girl for two to three years. Yeah. You... As a two on the Enneagram, who is supposed to be the nurturer that would take care of people. Are you going to put your life on the line, Kippen, for people you've just met? Constantly? I, I, truly. And it it almost seemed like FOMO. It didn't even seem like right. he ca- It was doing it from, like, nurturing. He was doing it from, like, almost like, wait a second, War. You had, like, all this, like, damage and, uh, like... It almost seemed gross to me. He definitely had like the most normal life out of everyone. The only, the only person not involved in this like archaic, insane um, killing spree. Loving mother, right, (laughs) right. People that cared about him, regular schooling, um, like good normal hobbies. But yeah, I was the other thing. I mean, and (laughs) she does. I don't think that this is what she was trying to do. But it did stick out to me that Lore was left with this insane brownstone and a big old fat bank account whenever Gil, quote, died. And he even makes a point of, like, saying, oh, I mean, like, if you want me to pay rent, I'll start paying rent. But, like, I thought Gil, like, left everything to you. Right. And... It, I, that was kind of icky to me where I was like huh he's like so time to move yeah <laughs> are you just in it for the drama am I the drama is it me no he so, I yeah Laura was definitely like one of those people that like makes her own family kind of deal but yeah. it just at times for me it was just like it was more like the the two of them almost had the relationship that I imagined for like her and Castor, who uh-huh. had like a lifetime of friendship. Yeah. Where I'm like, wow, like you know what I mean? Like a, you can have a close friendship within two or three years, but they were just like, mm-hmm. like life on the line, like you said, all the time. So it was right. just a bit much. And of so course, was- <laughs> it was so predictable to me. I just was like. Like the second van is introduced and they're like, you know, throwing oh my or like casting daggers in the eyes. I'm like, it, it's a matter of time. It is yeah. a matter of time, please. Yeah, Pull a new van trope is in enough. Here. I guess if I if I thought if I overestimated anything in this book, it's that I thought there would be more backstabbing than there actually was. Um, I definitely thought either Miles. Like, when Miles was like, oh, no, I have to meet the contact. Like, 
it has to be me because they trust me now because he kept like sticking his nose in all the business I thought that maybe he was like making a deal with someone right which he wasn't he's just a rube and he ends up getting kidnapped and is like (laughs) annoyingly pathetic Um, but the same thing for this character Van who is Caster's like right hand man Van was like the analytical British gay who is hoity-toity and uptight and also halfway in love with Castor. And so he's kind of hateful towards Lore. Um, I thought Van might double-cross her, but he doesn't. He ends up being a stand-up guy. Actually, all the friends, even Eero, despite trying to kill Castor, right. turns around and the, the like the original excluding the gods the original <laughs> band does stay true to one another and they yeah. do a lot of um they, they do a lot together they rely on each other a lot and they have to you know to be able to stay alive and you're right like nobody really like backstabs anyone they it, it stays yeah. pretty tried and true it's everyone well, else that's out to and get even them. as i'm saying that i'm like okay kip not stupid that's like classic red herring of like oh you think that these are going to be the bad guys but really they have a heart of gold um, <laughs> <laughs> which they do i didn't mind oh, van's gosh. character i thought he was fine <laughs> i've known a vindictive uh hoity-toity person in my life so like i get it caster to me for whatever reason was probably my favorite character even though he was a trope on a trope on a trope of this like golden hearted wouldn't hurt a fly (laughs) gentleman i don't know like sickly child (sighs) but yet strong man i there like I said, from start to finish, I liked Castor. He was impossible not to like. He was yeah. the only person that like constantly wanted to spare people. He was like, um, he was truly there for Lore. Like every, I, it, I can't stand this on myself. I truly do hate the way that I love it. But like every time, <laughs> like she's getting hurt, he's like, no, I'm literally like, yeah, yes, yes say it again. No, that really was my favorite part of the book. Was the romantic part. Because it was it's the only, it's the only like good soft part. It's it was all well, there was. Yeah. And when we're talking, y'all, we're talking like that. There's a lot plot wise that happens in this book that it's very like brutal. I'm talking like every five seconds, someone's heads getting chopped off. Someone is Kippen. killing their own. We son. we literally <laughs> find out that lore at. 12 years old was asked to be a freaking wife of a man yes. and and you're you're assuming it's going to be like a child bride to it to his son and it's like no she'll be my wife and you're like what the f-? like yes it's like a every, breeding like breeding stock to this old gross man there's every five minutes in this book there's um they're, oh my they're gosh, just one of the most horrible, them. like, the the one where I was like, okay, enough is a freaking enough, was, I don't know, it's like on their 19th try of, like, <laughs> figuring everything out and finishing the Agon, you know, one of the baddies basically has tried to, like, smoke lore out by killing innocent children like he literally kidnaps two innocent children that don't have anything to do with anything locks them in the bowl of wall street and then cooks them inside of it alive which is like a callback to some greek myth but it's also a callback to the fact that you know when laura was 12 she basically was like raped and then she steals this shield from her host family and when people find out what she did they go to her house and they kill her family and they like literally chop her sisters her baby sister like into pieces and it's so horrible and i just Alex, it was listen, just a lot alexandra bracken has clearly read extensive greek mythology yeah and went overt 
in the um in the like gore department she just was like honey we are going to ride this train as long as we can because you're right there was so much I, I it just yeah I, I was definitely a bit bothered by that there was some like all that negative things going on there was just weird things too to me where she tried really hard to blend the um the everyday like our, you know mm-hmm. our lives today with you know um the like ancient greek things where i just kept being like you know like she talks a lot about like how they're going to kill them and i was like oh but we can't use guns because a gun does you know, and i'm just like i you're expecting me to believe that like you're using an iphone to track people yeah i had to pull out a dory and go like stab someone in the heart like okay I, it was, it was a, we- blade a weird blend the shield lacy the slow right. blade punctures the shield i i reckon oh, that's what she was going with there, so that to me was a bit and some people actually i will say i read some reviews on goodreads that loved the like urban fantasy i'm like okay it's it's for you and not for me <laughs> yeah that's why i i feel i don't know why because even while i was reading it I want to say the first solid quarter of this book, I was like, dang, this is a five-star read. Like, this is pretty darn good. Because so often, I find YA books to be, like, drivel, to be, like, kind of stupid or not super well-written. And she did it, like, she was on it. I felt like the the pacing was, like, exciting and the the plot was interesting and... Like, it was just hitting for me, and then it just got too gritty, too dark, um, and I wanted a little bit more <laughs> of the of the caster and lore, you know, love stuff, which you got enough. It was fine, but... Right. Uh, that, that was one of my favorite parts, and one of my, like, like I said, I took, like, five mm-hmm. notes, but that, like... Caster kept being like, I want to be worthy of you. I'm like, honey, Laura ain't worthy of you. Seriously. Please. Let's try again. Like, he, he's living well, with complex here. And and shout out to Van, because I think Van is the only one that has the guts to kind of stand up and be like, listen, we've been listening to you, Laura, this entire time. You keep making really idiotic decisions. Like, who put you in charge? You need to step off, basically. Which I was like, yeah, you're she Say does. it again, Van. We want to hear it again. <laughs> <laughs> so there, there's like this whole element in this book that's kind of like, um, so it's like Hunger Games. But there's also puzzles. Like they're trying to figure out why people are hunting lore, what could be special about her that makes her different. And then by the end, you realize that Lore has pretty much known all along what they want. She's just afraid to tell anybody about it. And it's the fact that there's this shield that's in her family line that she, like I said earlier, stole from her rapist. And that when she was, I guess, about 12 years old, um, she hid away from everybody and she's been telling even her closest friends this whole time like oh I don't know where it is like we have to find it too so that we can read the inscription or whatever that's the key and I there's so there's all these like little stop and start missions that they go on that tries to like further the plot and I just felt like by the end of the book it was so cluttered because I liked the last scene where she actually like admits to having the it's not the last scene but it's like one of the big ones at the end where she actually like admits to knowing where the shield is and like where she hid it and stuff like that that kind of got and like Athena turns on her blah 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 that's where it got interesting to me again it's like the middle part where I just wanted to kind of fast forward through they like the should have had two less book. missions, like yes. or like like two big chunks that could have really been eliminated for me to understand that Lore was a hardened person mm-hmm. who was very capable and it had good like good and bad people supposedly on her side. Like you know, I mean, we, we could have just done with a lot less because I felt the same way where I was just kind of like, who cares? Yeah, during, like part of this, and then 
you you know you then you do have things that like you care about you're like oh okay like she actually had the shield the whole time she's been lying and been a narrator and you know versus like right just and again she's minute things that don't matter right she's dripping out like what she remembers and what she doesn't and what she knows and what she doesn't um here's another thing that kept confusing me is the gods when they are turned mortal they lose some of their powers but they keep other powers right and i i mean i guess it does make sense that not all gods are created equal because for example caster as the new Apollo, not only can he shoot like laser fire out of his hands, <laughs> which I'm like, okay, how when surviving against this man? There's a part where he's trying to attack Artemis, and I'm just like, how is she not dead? How is she? I. <laughs> my well, she's a god herself. Caster, she must have her own powers. Caster did not kill Artemis with his shooty fire stuff? Like, what? <laughs> Maybe he's just a bad shot. Um, but he can also heal. Like, he can lay hands on people and basically, like, totally heal them. And at some point, Homeboy gets killed by an arrow, and he comes back from the dead. I Was that saying ever explained? I kept being like, because at one point it was a weak explanation. Because at one point we kind of, you, you know, you kind of find out that he's not like a god like the rest exactly. He's a little bit different. But I just was kind of like, oh, huh? he's like almost better than a god. It's like well, a, right, like he can't be killed with a god, apparently. god. So I think the way they end up explaining it is that because of the way he got his powers, which was not through cold-blooded murder and like uh, greed because it was kind of this assisted suicide thing where Apollo was almost like handing him the mantle that somehow exempts him from parts of the the Agon that's how I understood it huh well because at the very end Athena, who has now screwed over Lore, and then you realize later, oh, actually, it was Athena that killed Lore's entire family. And um, had stalked her and, like, purposely right. um, came to her door to, like, yeah, to manipulate fals- her. To falsely bind her. I, t- there was, I, was- I know! They didn't even have a deal! That was so stupid, Lacey. Uh, I was listen, like, wait, so... Do you know that the, the the line like bind your fate to mine or whatever the line is is like on the cover of this book it's on the cover of the book and it's not important it's a lie i was literally like doing a true head scratch like excuse me <sighs> it was so funny excuse to me because even when they make the promise in the beginning of the story and laura's like is that it <laughs> and athena's like that'll do pig and like it's very it's very obvious that lore was expecting more she's expecting like a handshake or a, an exchange of blood or like a sparkly well, fire ring to surround them and she was right because athena was literally like you dumb dumb like yes. this one bonded at all and exactly Oh yeah, my there's. Gosh. I'm trying to remember what was I made some like basic note, but it's like Athena's betrayal, a round two of shock. Where I was like, uh, you always say like, oh, I knew what was happening. I truly am like dense <laughs> as can be when it comes to seeing this stuff because I'm always like, wow, like that was yeah, a shock because I, I did not like I didn't like Athena, but because I assumed they were together, I was not expecting her to no. like be like I killed your family. Out of everything, I I didn't think that Athena was a goodie, right? But I didn't think that Athena had literally been the serial murderer that had killed her whole family. Like, that was a little bit of a shock to me. Mainly because, yes, that paints Athena as a really bad guy. But the other bad guy is still a really bad guy. So, like, you have, like, double whammy of, um, okay, now all the gods suck, and now also there's, like, just two villains that you have to worry about. Um, Not to mention Artemis, who's kind of like a free agent running around trying to kill everybody. 
Artemis is my favorite Greek god, by the way. I don't know if you have a favorite. I know we've talked about it before. Um, do I have a favorite? I actually have always liked Hermes, although he, he treats Cersei kind of wrong, but <laughs> you well, know, I something about that mischief. I love Hermes too, but I always think of uh, Hermes in the Disney Hercules, and it just like makes me, <laughs> in this context especially, I'm like, that just makes me laugh. Um, oh gosh. So let's talk about Hermes for a second, because here's another thing that maybe you, you understand. I feel like we're swapping our confusion and like, clearing <laughs> it up for each other. Right. So this is actually helpful. Um, but there's this scene where Athena and Lore, you know, she finally spills it. She knows Athena's evil. They get into this big fight. And uh, there's been this whole thing around Lore where she's like, I don't remember the Greek name for it. I keep thinking of Wheel of Time. In Wheel of Time, it would be called Taviran. But it's like people who are destined for greatness and so there's this spark of that around lore and there's always and she's she's always known it like in her heart like oh i'm special like i'm gonna be great people are gonna remember my name but um anyway because of this she actually like puts up a pretty good fight against athena and at the very end she's like oh i'm gonna kill myself and then that will kill Athena, thinking because they're Wrong. because they're linked, and so she like stabs herself or whatever. And Athena's like, "Haha, you're dumb. Like, yeah, there's some issues, but um, you're stupid. Whatever." So she's left in a sewer. She's got a broken leg. She's now stabbed herself, like almost not in the heart but she's really like her herself bad Hermes appears to her and leads her out of the sewer Gil Gil slash Hermes appears to her and even at the end of the book I don't even think Lore knows how he did that if that was really him what that means about the Aegon what that means about where the gods actually go etc did you i don't know can you illuminate that for me i it never really goes into details afterwards or during Mm -hmm. so i kind of just kept thinking like this is a personal interpretation i just assumed that hades allowed him to do this because it does not it does not say and it doesn't continue on and it definitely like the book alludes to the fact that once you're dead as a god you're dead like that you yeah. that you truly do meet like a mortal's demise so at the mm. beginning of the book hermes is i think it's throat slash or something so it's yeah. like i really was like okay i guess he was granted reprieve because i wrote it down he tells her um the eyes of the god um the eyes of the god is on you something like that and so it was kind of like i just kind of like okay i guess they're gonna allow this they mm-hmm. must all be working together so but you could be right because we know apollo um like you said like there's there's just i don't know it's like Honestly, maybe i guess there's a theme of these gods the ones that somehow get redemption it's because they've learned some sort of selflessness right it's like they're not just the 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 gods that we think of Mm -hmm. the book to me really set itself up like it's gonna there's gonna be a second one so yeah i thought i'm not surprised me at all i'm hoping this was a big hit they're Oh, yeah. No, I, I read tons of five-star reviews, but I think, yeah, it'll explain more, I'm assuming, and go into some of the things that feel a bit murky right now. And yeah. we'll go into, like, deeper details. But, yeah, because there were several things that I was kind of like, oh, right. I, don't, I don't get it. So by the end of the book, Athena, like, again, has another change of heart and realizes she's not going to escape or be able to do anything. And so she does the same thing Apollo did with Castor. She does that for Lore, and she saves Lore's life by basically letting her kill her. And so she does absorb Athena's powers for a short time. More there, like 
that, that to like, me do not buy that do you buy that as a reader um no not really but even more so like when I'm reading it and I'm like okay well if you're gonna go here can we get some more like superhumanness from lore she didn't even like get to flex the the main thing to me was that I, it the scene before Athena was laughing yeah. and talking about she went to the baby's crib and like mm-hmm. uh, like plucked her eyes out and how she's like oh I waited for you to come back your dad died first it goes to like these like deep over the top details where tell I'm me like, how much you like listen did that really bother you yes of, co- of course it. I hated it and so if this would have happened let's say at the beginning and then you know we get to the end of the book and she's been a bit um repentant mm-hmm. but the fact that this happened <laughs> she leaves her to die the other gods save her and then she sacrifices i was like yeah please there's there's no way that there, she there, there's not one bone in this woman's body that has been kind at all that has been merciful to anyone let alone to lore who she talks about how she's nursed for the past seven years this hatred and how she's like she's been on the proud to find her so she can get this shield whatever i was like the all oh, you impossible. know you're totally right and so i'm like trying to pick apart why she would do that so athena is like logic and reasoning and you know there's not a whole lot of uh heart there (laughs) so let's say that she i mean like i guess she does say this in in a roundabout way of like oh this is the only way like now i see that this is what Zeus wants me to do. So I can, I think like even at the, her dying breath. That it was still selfish. Because I think that that was her last possible play. To somehow win whatever the heck twisted game this is. Because they were never given rules. Like that's why the shield is so important. Because it has you know an extra line on it. Or whatever that's supposed to explain. What ends the Agon. And what Zeus wanted in the first place. And I guess I could see it somehow of just like her logic brain taking over and being like, well, I have a 99% chance that I'm going to die right now. So maybe I'll just take that 1% that if I do it this way, and if I sacrifice in this way, that I will then, you know, be able to return to Zeus, which is very important to me. Maybe like that's the only thing that's, that makes sense that to is, me. It would be the only way, mm-hmm. and that to me, I'm still giving her some grace because I'm like, hmm, she <laughs> hasn't put two and two together in hundreds and hundreds of years, right? But, <laughs> but, but, totally. but yeah. So I'm trying to think. Anything happened after that? They kind of end up uh, in the book. Hunky Dory. Like for people that really like this book, I really hope there is a second one, only because I felt There's like the ending be. was kind of lame. Yes. The ending was like, you've got Castor and you've got um, Lord now that has the powers of Athena. And when I'm telling you she doesn't get to flex, like, she does pretty much, like, clean house and they end up killing all the people that need to be killed or whatever. And the Agon is finished. But she just doesn't, like, Castor's, like, shooting things out of his hands and healing people. And I, I wanted to about that and at the end it's just like her and her ragtag group of friends hanging out on their building like roof right waiting for the sun to rise i her and caster i also thought that like because she was like oh like like whenever she finally became a god i was like okay i guess two of them can be together because i assume that caster has to leave or there's some like yeah ascension you know what i mean so i was like okay well i guess they'll be together so i'm sure there will be because they haven't about they haven't abolished the Agon, and that was kind of like, the, well, you know, what I mean? don't know if you remember this. At the very end of the book, after the Agon is over, they are magically turned back into humans. Castor, huh? Castor, and Lord, you're lying. They think that they are going to be transmogrified into immortal beings, and either be swept into Zeus's realm, 
or that like if you remember caster's been unable to like have a actual uh body this whole time because he just like can't figure it out or whatever they basically think they're gonna like be gone in a twinkle of an eye and they have no idea if they're gonna be able to be together or whatever it is no at the end of it their immortality is taken away like they don't have any powers anymore they're turned human again they're just normal so they endured yes i listen now they want they both wanted that that was like their wildest dreams they don't want to be gods because they're so i guess those two powers are taken off the earth (laughs) athena's powers although i don't really know how expansive they were right apollo's powers they're just gone I mean, I guess. Yeah. But... Well, no, I don't think any at that point. All of the other gods had been killed, whether they be new or oh, old. Oh no, that's true. They're all dead. It's just the two of them, and they're like the goodies. And then I guess Zeus is like, "Okay, it's done. Now there's no more gods, or if there are, okay. I, well, you know what? I guess you're right. Where that they were the last two, but they also like didn't really earn their. Mm-hmm. Um, their powers in the same way. Yeah, maybe she will leave it there, but I I feel like I would be surprised. <laughs> I know. So yeah, that was like how did I miss me. such a crucial part of the book? No, seriously, because they're just like oh. chilling there, and it it's like oh, everybody else at the sleepover fell fell asleep, but me and Caster are still awake. And then they like look at each other and they're like, "Wow, poof, we're still here." We're, st- we're normal now. Leukemia free. Thank goodness. <laughs> oh, man. I feel like we just roasted this book. But honestly. It wasn't. I don't. I, I, I really tried hard not to like rage on this book. Because it was not a bad book. No. There just was some stuff that I didn't get as a reader. Yeah. But other people will like this book. You know what? I also have been on a big fantasy kick lately. I've been reading Harry Potter. I've reread the Outlander series. I've just been doing uh, this whole year. Actually, has been huge or fancy for me, and so I feel like that too has a part of it where this just didn't hit in the same ways. And so that's you know that's not on Alexander. It, that's on me. It felt so frenetic. Like I am literally in the middle of Wheel of Time which is 14 books. It takes, it's thousands of pages. It takes its sweet ace time to get through these, um, through these stories. That said, there's plenty of exciting stuff that happens in each book. It's just, this is like the, this is the Vin Diesel of, <laughs> of like YA fantasy fiction. You know what I mean? Like, it's, it's funny. To it's me getting because... very close to getting out of YA to me. Yes. Like it's, it's oh, yeah. that gory and graphic that I'm like. There's it's, not it's a hovering. ton of language, and the people oh, are young, gosh. except for stupid mm-hmm. Dionysius and his constant cursing. Oh, half curses. Was, I hated was... his character overall. There's... Okay, hold on. You know what? You talked about the narration. The narration was fine when she did that man's voice. <gasps> the skin crawling it was as I if know. somebody was saying moist a thousand times over it was just like <laughs> I... <sighs> no I agree I did not love that and it definitely if you're interested in this book pick it up and read it for sure yes don't okay. let us deter you <laughs> <laughs> I know I think you'll know in your heart if this book is for you I truly believe that when I say it um okay so next time i've already read this book and i'm really excited for you to read this book i think you just recently started next time we will be back with girl with the louding voice by um abby dare it is a fiction contemporary fiction book about a girl in nigeria and all of the insane things that she has to endure that are insane but also probably happen every single day (laughs) to millions of people i am 17 percent in this book and i'm already i am rip roaring ready to go this has been on my um uh to be read list for quite some time so i am 
very stoked. Although it's kind of sad that's going to be our book right before Christmas. It's going to be like a <laughs> a bit of a harsh, harsh read. But yeah. it'll be a good one, I hope. You know what, though? For people that are worried about that, if you want to read along with us and are worried that it's going to be really depressing, the, the spoiler alert for our next episode, the thing that I loved the most about this book is that she goes through so much and it is not it's not a depressing book like I found it to be very empowering and I was rooting for her and I felt it that it was very moving in many ways um but it did not leave me feeling bleak or um hopeless so you know, it's like the indomitable human spirit kind of thing. Right. Bound to be a good one. Um, so, yeah. All right. I'm like, <laughs> is there anything left to say? I feel like we've we've done as much as we can. And we've literally, we've just barely, like, skimmed the surface. I know. <laughs> There's so much in this book. Holy cow. All right. See you next time. See ya. Bye. This has been One Page More. Thanks for listening. Please leave us a five-star review. <laughs> <laughs> it, it sounds good.